Hey, coconuts! Welcome back to a Tuesday's weekly market updates. Our first topic this week is the news that caused all of our portfolios red from equities to crypto. We then move into stocks, talking about Tencent sell-off of SEA and a new company we're looking at, Synopsis, in the semiconductor space. All this and more coming right up. TFC's weekly market update scours the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. It is a banter session with facts, figures, and fun to help you get caught up in the world of investing. So join in the banter live with me, Rakesh, your host, weekly Tuesdays at 8pm on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Hey, Coconuts. Welcome back to our Tuesday's weekly market updates. Rakesh. Anthony. And Jefferson. All of us are here again for this week, and we have a fair bit to talk about, guys. <laughs> oh, we, we, we started what, reading the news again August. this year. <laughs> I mean, no, I have not. I have not. I am very scared to even open and, and look at my portfolio. And obviously, that's, that's the first topic we're going to be talking about. Um, you know, redness everywhere, in almost every market, right? Um, that's, I'm sure, the big topic that, that our listeners want to hear about. We'll then move into a couple of, you know, a couple of shares, right? Specific shares. We realized that we talked a lot about macro in the in the past three episodes, <laughs> and we're going to be talking about that a bit here as well. I mean, we do have Jefferson, so it's probably good to have and talk about macro. But we'll move into ten cent uh, and their stake in selling C, as well <laughs> as a new company that that you know just came across called Synopsis in the semiconductor industry. All right, I think to get started with. Jefferson, is your portfolio red as mine? Uh, yes, yes. I'm pretty sure everyone's <laughs> portfolio is very red. Uh, my crypto portfolio is uh, is now is massive. Um, it's red as well. Yeah. Oh, shit. I don't even want to open it. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> not, not, uh, not buying the dip? <laughs> yeah, buy, buy and forget. Yeah, that's the yeah, thing. Oh, yeah. my best. God. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I DCA all the way. I DCA all the way until I I got nothing to DCA anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, Payday coming. Payday coming. Payday coming. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you'll be scared as well, right? Because like everything's so red, you'll be like, oh, is it a good time to buy in or what's not? Yeah. Um, Next month got Payday yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait for pay and then go. <laughs> my salary is my DCA in, you know, that DCA out. <laughs> oh my god. Terrible. Yeah, but, but Jeff, tell us tell us a bit more. What what's what's happening here? Yeah, so um as everyone knows, it's been redness everywhere from the equity to crypto. Um, there's also rumors that the Federal Reserve has been has has been a lot more aggressive uh, in terms of the quantitative tightening uh, policies as well, and may even hike uh, interest rate four times in 2022. Uh, and that was circulated last night. Um, that, mm. that that potentially mm. would have but, become but question a question here, Jeff. Yeah. Um, with regards to that, I thought when they stated this in in December or something like this, they already stated they were gonna raise it four times in 2022. So I how did last night's um, thing differ? Right, right. I think it wasn't uh, four times. Uh, yeah, I think I, it was I might three. be wrong, but it, it was three, yeah. Ah, so, yeah. Got it. Yeah. So, so, so 0.25% just kills the market. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it basically sparked a sell-off uh, overnight. We sent the benchmark 10-year treasury uh, briefly above 1.8%. And nobody likes that. Um, yeah. Uh, it essentially signaled to the market that, hey, uh, inflation is a big thing that the Fed is looking uh, looking at right now. And um, why, is the, why, why is there a need for the Federal Reserve to, you know, go out on the news and yes. circulate that? We are going to do it four times in 2022. Um, definitely not a yeah. not not the best kind of thing, um, especially in the crypto space. Yep, you you see a shift away from excess liquidity and accommodative monetary uh, conditions, having to become a structural headwind that we have highlighted uh, in the past couple of shows as well. Um, and now it appears to be coming to a head. Yeah, and that's going to be a thing that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I have a question, right? I mean, we think about three, four episodes that was like a month ago, we were talking about, oh, yeah, it's three rates is a big thing. It's three rate hikes is a big thing. Now it's four. I mean, is there some sort of, like, you know, speed of change? Like, within a month, they are proven wrong and they need to change it again, right? Because that, that <laughs> that's a bit scary. I mean, you think about it, right? To, to me, it's like, oh, yeah, they, they, they are planning for the next two, three years. They know roughly what they want to do. And, I mean, if you change your plans every month, that's not a good look on you, I would say. So, so I was thinking, is, is this something that, that could possibly be also scaring the market slightly? Like, oh wait, the Fed doesn't really know what they're doing. They don't really have control. We, we need to kind of you know, be a bit more careful. Yeah, I, I think one of the things is that because the this, this came on the back of where when the Fed released the transcript uh, from the December mm-hmm. meeting, right? So it, it became clearer uh, as to what Powell was actually saying. And if you look at, say, the implied volatility uh, in the market itself, um, just in the equity space, you see that um, there's a disparity between the low rates and uh, high implied vol as well. So given the, given the fact that uh, inflation has been robust in a couple of months. Uh, I think that the Fed has been more concerned to reach that, you know, rates should fundamentally be a lot higher as well. Um, and they essentially took the opportunity to, to, to just go out there and be on the hawkish endeavor, right? I mean, this is probably one of the best times for them since they just released the, the, the transcript. Yeah, I don't think that they are getting anything wrong here. Um, they they probably weren't too sure whether it's three or four. Honestly, it doesn't make much of a difference, but it's it's uh it's just noise from the market, right? It, uh, when traders start hearing, yeah, exactly, yeah. So when the traders start hearing, um, like four rate hikes instead of three, it sort of like signal that hey, there's there's gonna be a higher use. But we we all anticipated that in that in that sense. So yes. Mm. In fact, um, I know that traders, investors have already positioned themselves, that, like the real money manage- managers have already positioned themselves for uh, higher rates. So that's not too much of a concern, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, Got it. And, and just, just to clarify here, right, the three to four obviously is, is, is a bit, for me, a little uncertain, right? Like the Fed maybe got some data in, in, in December and were like, you know what, we need, we need to do it over four. Or could it be that they're looking to still increase the rates but instead of doing it with a higher slope, they do it of a lower slope with four rate hikes instead of three, right? So effectively, the rates are going to maybe go up the same, but just on a gradual gradual state in, in 2022. Right. Like that could also be an opportunity, right? 
Right, right. So, so I guess you are trying to say that whether the 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 incremental amount by the end of twenty twenty three will be the same if it's three hikes or four hikes, yes. right? That's what you're suggesting. Um, yes. But the but the thing about the the central bank uh, or most central banks is that they always have a fixed incremental uh, increase whenever they do a rate hike itself. So. Like usually in a in a form of twenty five basis point for the Federal Reserve, so um, it's just more of like like what Anthony is saying, right? You you get that twenty five basis point extra in the in the year itself, and what does that mean? Mm. Yeah, um, but I think it's it's more so where the particip- the participants of the market basically judge that uh, the appropriate timing of the balance sheet runoff in the US uh, will be closer to that. Of the policy rate lift off than the committee's uh, previous experience, so they did ex- uh, I think in the past couple of years there wasn't a there wasn't a, a clear year where they actually uh, so, sort of say we are going to do every quarter we are going to do a hike. Uh, in addition to this whole balance sheet runoff that's going to happen in the next couple of months, um, so the the Fed is essentially trying to. To play the game to see how fast inflation will then moderate, right? If it's slow than expected, then the policy is really not in the right place, and definitely will have to be uh, more. I have to definitely be moving quicker than and more aggressively than the market's priced in. In that sense, yeah. Okay, wait. Sorry, two questions. Um, one just yeah. now when you're talking about balance sheet runoff, um, that's that's the tightening part of reducing the size of the balance sheet and all of that, right? Yeah. Which we yep. talked about previously, and, and that's the precursor to, to the interest rate hike. Yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Then, then okay, we are done. I think I'm done with the boring econs part. Like, I don't want to go back to Metro 101. Crypto, <laughs> <laughs> right? Hey, it's interesting. Um, Come on. Hey. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually interesting. Um, it, it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't help my portfolio. So they're my crypto. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Focus, focus. Yeah, I was going to crypto anyway. Yeah, so on the yeah. front of crypto, right? Um, definitely, uh, if you look at Bitcoin, I, I think there's there's some form of like buy opportunity right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, this is not financial advice. Um, if you look at the the charts itself, you can see a double bottom uh, from September 2020 low. Uh, after having to retrace in Q4 moves up. So mm. right now, if you look at it, uh, historically, uh, a good buying opportunity for Bitcoin is that if it's trading below two days, uh, 200 uh, EMA, it's actually a good indicator to say that it's, it's a buy signal. And I, okay. I do think that potentially there's opportunity right there. So, so do, do, do your own financial okay, research wait. as well. So what, sorry, what's, what's, what's EMA? Right, right. So uh, EMA itself is basically average. a form of moving average that you you look at. So uh, it, it. in this case, it's exponential moving average. Yeah, got it. it essentially, okay, you so you go you log into an exchange. You know, you you draw the squiggly line. You see, ah, got pattern yeah, there. Yeah. You buy can really. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. this is not very good. With since I DCA everything already, right? Because I got no more money. Got to wait for payday. <laughs> I mean, if you DCA, then uh, it's it's more of a perspective that you're taking, right? Like if people are actually mm-hmm. looking into having to just long Bitcoin, you are more of a trader than an investor in that sense. Um, but it's always good to mm-hmm. you know look out for opportunities in the markets. With with that said, like. Bitcoin being a buy opportunity, uh, from my perspective, in that sense, it can also be uh, indicative for you to you know uh, park more money in there and just uh, write write out the the deep right yeah so that's that's one of the ways to see Good. as well yeah 
Yeah, I, I think it's it's all a, a type of market timing, right? I mean, we, we also talk about, oh yeah, you know, in markets going down, maybe you DCA a bit more, that, that sort of thing. It's it's all a, a function of, of the same thing, They're just different, I guess, exactly, magnitudes, exactly. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. interesting. I mean, uh, to me, it's always like, uh, uh, at least you haven't mentioned like, Fibonacci or Elliott Wave, then go, oh. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> good, good to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, okay. Okay. One, one more about crypto. What about all L1s, since I have a lot of those? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that uh, for the L1 space itself, um, I, I honestly haven't been looking quite uh, quite a bit at it uh, because I've been... Um, i actually been looking at quite, quite a bit of uh, Web3 tokens-related matters like GameFi and what's not, right? Um, for L1s, I think that um, it, it's going to follow a narrative to which if Bitcoin is going up, then your L1s will definitely recover from uh, from there. But uh, like I said, there's still many cyclical negatives uh, for crypto, mostly because of the Fed and the halving cycle both being uh, bearish, right? Mm. So crypto is basically on the hype cycle, which is way off the, the highs right now. And yeah, it, it's just going to be... It's just going to be a thing where it's just market reflects in that sense. If you want to think about it, um, that's that's my take for L one. But uh, I think interestingly, um, Web three Web three is something that uh, will be uh, is super awesome, definitely. Um, but with a lot of regulations coming to kick in, um, and I think people don't like or rather governments don't like uh, what they can't control, right? So if you look at it where the American crypto regulations are actually looking into uh, trying to regulate the crypto space and Web3 as well, trying to understand a little bit more. That's, that's sort of a signal mm. to me that, hey, you know, Web3 is, is going to take off at some point. But for now, uh, projects like Sandbox are, are overhyped in that sense. Um, and maybe it, it takes a bit of time for, for the regulators to essentially, you know, um, go in and say, hey, uh, if you can't beat them, then we got to join them in that sense. Yeah. So yeah, that's, but, that's but when they join them, it might not be sandbox anymore, right? It might be something exactly, else. So, exactly, exactly. You know, that, yeah. that's, yes. that's always yes. that risk. But we should talk more about Game 5, maybe next week. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so, so, so something, that, something that I looked at, I'm like, this, this is rubbish, this is bullshit, I, I don't like this, and then I just closed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I need different perspective, right different perspective. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's a, it's a quick takeaway then, right? Everything's red um, right now. Anthony, what do you think, you know, our listeners listeners can do? We, we mentioned a little bit here, the opportunities and so on, but maybe you could hear your take. Yeah. Um, I mean, not, not financial advice again, obviously. Not, you should always take yes. everything I say reflect a, a huge spoonful of salt. Um, but I think really <laughs> what, what I'll do is I'll, I'll just DCA in. Um, I think we, we don't know when sentiment will shift, right? In, in two or three months, it could be the Fed going, oh, they, actually, you know what? Economic growth isn't as good as we thought it was. I, I would rather prioritize that over controlling inflation and, and they just stop rate high, right? And and that's it. The next day the market goes up, you, you are late to the game. So, so be exposed, right? Have some exposure, keep buying in. Maybe don't buy so much if you are scared. Buy something safe, financials, reads, again, if, if you are worried. But, but I think... Fundamentally, I would say always have exposure, right? Don't be 100% cash because you might not be able to catch it. And, and at least for me, I don't look at the markets every day or every hour. So I definitely almost won't catch it. So, so yeah, it's just a matter of 
waiting and, and waiting for the recovery to come. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think for myself, I, I take a different view with regards to cash uh, in, in such situation mm-hmm. as well because I, I think that um, you, while you can't time the market, but some, uh, there's always indicators for you to, to look at or rather you can mm-hmm. start building your thesis right now. Um, just have a watch list, look at the different equities and, and see what you like and what you don't like, right? Uh, and if, if some of these equities are in your portfolio that you don't like at all, then maybe, you know, it's time to cut them loose once the market starts recovering a little. That's, that's one of the things to think about. Um, and building a war chest basically means that you, you have some spare cash on hand, right? That's, I mean, like what Rakesh has been doing, put in DCA and everything. And, and you know, you want to have some cash at the same <laughs> you, you, time. You should, you should put your war chest in anchor and earn 19.5%, right? And then that, that beats everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been talking about crypto course, for like right? the, the last three weeks, and and nothing has been done. Yes, no, and I think like the the, the best thing that we we can do here is. I think just be be safe on your bets, right? That's the way. I think that's one of the things that I would say uh, to our listeners and myself. Um, I, I focus a lot, like I said, on, on the fundamentals. So if I'm happy with the stock, I go into it in the first place, even during this this massive boom that we've had over in, in, in 2021 and in 2020. And I'm confident, right, that this company will bounce back. It may take six months. It may take a year. And yes, you can say your money's locked in um, in order to keep that, you know, sort of, trying to make that money that you that you did make and now completely wiped out um but it will come back based on the fundamentals and that's that's really what i believe uh of course right i'm i'm still like everybody else every other you know retail investor out there scared to even open the app to look at how much i'm losing right now uh, <laughs> i keep, so I keep opening my like bank that. app to just check how much money i have left to put in <laughs> really <laughs> I think I've yeah, been playing so with it, DeFi, right? So it's a bit odd. It's, it's difficult to keep track. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a story for another day. Yeah, yeah. but Rack, let's, let's finish this. <laughs> so yeah, I think with, with, with that, that's that's probably the best advice that I'd give. And I think, you know, take take the opportunities, as Jefferson mentioned and Anthony mentioned, DCA, right? I've been taking Anthony's advice and he's saying until I don't have any more. But um, keep it going, guys. Keep strong. I know, right, if you've done your research and we, we always beg you to do your research and not just listen to us, Go for it. I'm sure you've made the right bets. Just wait for it and it will come back up. Right? History has shown that. Yeah. As long as they're a good company. <laughs> yes. Be, be sure about it. Provided right. they don't go bankrupt. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, that's, that's a really good segue, right? Because now we're going to talk about two different stocks. Because now we're going to talk about two different stocks. Um, right. I think one specifically in the China market. So, Anthony, why don't you go with that one? Okay, cool. Um, so the, the two companies are Tencent, which I assume most people have heard of, and, and C, which I assume in Singapore. You know, if you have not heard of them, they, they own Shopee, which I assume you have heard of as well. So, so huge companies. Um, yes. if, in case you e-commerce. didn't know, yeah, e-commerce. Um, in case you didn't know, Tencent actually had a huge stake in C. Um, we, we have talked the last few weeks about Tencent being, being kind of seen as a VC bet you know, into China. Not really just for, for WeChat and, and all that. And this is kind of a sign of it. So, so they, they were one of the lead investors in the sea over the past many, many rounds before they listed. They ended up owing, owning 21% of C, right? which is huge. And okay, when was this? Um, so Six at, months ago? Or? At listing, they, they own 21%. So, so they must have built up a stake over the, the, the many rounds of fundraising. And yeah, the, the news last week was that they would, Tencent would, would divest 14.5 million shares of C. 
right, and raise three billion USD in the process. Wow. Right. I mean, yeah, you go right. Wow, three billion. Um, but just a reminder, and and to put into context as well, as at September, you know, look at the financials of Tencent. They had forty billion in cash. So so three billion is like nothing. <laughs> Oh, oh, no. 4-0. Yeah, right. yeah, 4-0, right? Okay, it's not nothing, but it's, it's very, very wow. minimal. And, and you think about the, the size of their stake as well. They sold 14.5 million shares. Their shareholding percentage went from 21 and a bit to 18.7. So mm. they have sold, what, 10% of their stake, okay. slightly more. Um, again, <laughs> not, not, not nothing, but not huge as well. So What was the reason for this? Yeah, They have been very fluffy about it. Uh, so what they have said is, oh yeah, we are we are taking. Essentially, they say we are taking profits, right? We want to reinvest it. We want to you know, refocus. But come on, you have forty B, right? What what what's this tree going to do? <laughs> They're going to pay lawyers that much? No, obviously not. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anthony, so yeah. what's, what's the implication of this, though? Yeah. I think there's a few implications on this. So the oh sorry, one one last point about what changed is also yeah. they, they had this really C had this really weird you know, interesting share structure where Tencent and the founder of C had their own class of shares. So they the two of them essentially control like voting and decision making rights and, and all that. And in addition to that, um, Tencent actually gave the founder of C-Forest um, a proxy, essentially promising that however you vote, I will vote with you. Right? So, so it's, 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 a, it's a follow-along. And Jeez. what, what yeah. they, they changed with this sale was also because obviously the shares of Tencent go to a third party and they don't want the third party to have that much voting say as well, right? So all of Tencent's shares are being shifted into the, the Class A shares, which we buy and own. Um, and, and that's, that's that. So, so there's a bit of a change in, in terms of um, shareholding structure as well. But implications, I, I don't know, right? I, I think, well, first thing is once the share sale got announced, it dropped 10% on, on a day. So this was last Monday or last Tuesday. Last Tuesday, right? Just, just before our, our last episode. One where, yeah, one week ago, where we didn't yes. do the news. So, so yes, we're talking about it this week. Yes. <laughs> um, it, it dropped 10%. I mean, it, it's still going down. So it, it's dropped another 10% since last week, if, if not more, actually. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just market sentiment, I, I feel. I, I mean, realistically, if we go back to fundamentals, I don't see any fundamental of C that has changed, right? They are still a, a good e-commerce company. They're still a gaming company at a very, very big stretch, you could say. Oh yeah, Tencent's good at gaming, you know, they had some synergies and partnerships there and it, they might no longer be there, but come on. Tencent's still an 18% shareholder, right? They're still one of the largest shareholders in C. They will partner with them. And, and in any case, well, Tencent's gaming is, is really focused in China, whereas C is focused in India and Brazil and the rest of the world. So, so they are not really competitors mm-hmm. in that sense. So... I don't see why, you know, Tencent would cut the office nose to spite its face and say, oh yeah, I don't want to partner with you anymore. Like, if, if everything has worked out and, and there's no like real rift or, or like egos, you know, coming into play. Yeah, but I think so, one of the one, one of the things that's interesting is that uh, Tencent's largest shareholder uh, process, right? Process, right? Yeah. They tend not to own, yeah, they tend not to own more, uh, more than 5% of a company. 
So mm. could that also be a reason why like they, they are trying to like process China's exposure? Uh, essentially, they are trying to limit their exposure to, to, to China itself via Tencent. Yeah. Could that be one of the reasons why? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think process actually has that. I mean, they, they are still a relatively big shareholder in, in Tencent, but I don't think they have that much voting rights in, in that sense. So to, to be able to, to control Tencent practically, in a way, and I think maybe a bit more of this is, and, and this is actually relatively interesting, is, is to remove that perception of C being a Chinese company. Right. I mean, you know, Forrest is now Singaporean, um, ostensibly, um, he came from China. But you know, there, there's always this impression when we talk about C that uh, they, are, they are Chinese-owned or they are Chinese-controlled or there is Chinese link. And, and this is one step um, removing them from, from tr- or trying to remove them from that perception, which is, again, nonsense if you look at the substance, but whatever. Sometimes people just want to look on the face of things. Yeah, question, right? Do you think, like, you know, Tencent wants to take the money out because they, they expect that this sort of downtrend that we all are facing uh, currently in the markets and using that 3B, yes, it's not a lot of money, but maybe they can't touch the 40B for whatever reason, yeah. use that funds to then go back into the market as a form of, of uh, you know, yeah, like you already said, divesting into other stocks that have gone down and they see better value there? Maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, it could very well be a capital allocation decision. Where they go, mm. yeah, I could borrow from a bank at, at 2 or 3% interest rate because I'm investment grade. I could go raise a bond at, again, 2 or 3 or 4%, but I, I would rather sell my shares because I don't see it making 2 or 3 or 4%, right? And, and so in, in that sense, yes. it, it's, it's relatively a better investment decision because they, they, they pay less in terms of their cost of capital. But then again, you know, Come on, it, it's C, it's, it's in the equity market. Yeah. You, you, you don't tell me you, you, can't, you don't expect them to perform like 3 or 4% uh, uh, in, in the medium term, right? Um, so so I, I feel like this is a bit more of, of a signal. And, and the, the reason why I say this as well is also because I think last month or two months ago, um, Tencent also divested a much, much bigger part of a stake, of a stake in JD.com. Right. We, we, didn't, we didn't talk about it because there, there was other yeah, news on yeah, the yeah. The distribution of JD.com shares as a special dividends, right? Yes, that's right. So, so Tencent is, is a relatively big shareholder in, in JD.com. They, they, they're kind of distributing it to their current shareholders as, as a special dividend that was about $16 billion in, in transaction value, so much bigger. And, and you know, for, for that, you can see anti-competitive behavior and all that coming in China coming into play, right? Because... Tencent is a huge platform. JD is a huge platform. You don't want so much control in, in that sense. You, you don't want to be, able, to be able to say that Tencent can control the market. So fine, you, you divest it, you realize your, your value and, and you move on. But there's very little overlap here. So, so I don't think that that same you know, type of reasoning applies. But yeah, I mean, who knows? We shall see. I mean, I, I don't see this as bad for C. So I bought it bit and then it did further, which is... Isn't great, but oh well, maybe I should have looked at a 200 EMA. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay, so we have to see how this plays out because you know, I mean, I think for our listeners out there, C owns Garena, yep. they own and they own Shopee, right? So, gaming as well as as, as e commerce, and, and yes. it's, it, e commerce is still booming like crazy. 
Um, and, and I know I go to Shopee to compare with Lazada and Shopee somehow is always cheap. I don't know why, but yes. um, in, in most things. So definitely, right, when you look at the fundamentals, I think it's a quick takeaway here. Uh, it's more the market sentiment of one of its investors pulling it out for whatever the reason, right? I know there yeah. was a China crackdown into Tencent as well. Um, of course, I don't I don't want to speculate what, what they discuss, what the government discussed with Tencent. Maybe this was part of it. Who knows? And they gradually have to, like what you mentioned, Anthony, right? Uh, anti-competition rules, just, you know, get, get smaller exposure to these things and do whatever they want to. Um, but that, that could definitely be it. Um, but you think it's a good opportunity here for, for us to go into C. No, I mean, right? look, I, I own quite a lot of Tencent, to be honest. Um, and, and I'm beginning okay. to own quite a lot of C. Um, so, I mean, I'm just talking my book here. But I, I think, you know, yeah. my, I, I, I like, I've always liked C. I just felt it was way overvalued at, at 300 or 330 or 350, whatever it was. Um, now that it's at 160, mm. it, it looks a lot more attractive, right? They are still executing. They are still executing well. Um, e-commerce as a trend isn't going away, so why not? Got it. And it's interesting, right? Because the stock for Tencent did go up from from 430 to 460 in that one week after yep. they, they took the money out of, of C. Uh, and that's quite that's quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. But I think China China tech has been doing decently well this year, unlike everybody else. Mm. But but there's so far underwater that, you know, it's... It, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's like it's, it's dropped 70%. I, I gain 10%. Ooh, ooh no hooray. <laughs> well, you're still gaining better than the rest yeah, of like, sure. the US markets. It's just not. <laughs> um, last topic is a company called Synopsis, right? I, I'm happy to introduce that. I came across it just reading a couple of news, you know, uh, preparing for this podcast. Uh, and, and of course, this this live feed. Uh, so bear with me as, as I introduce you to Synopsis. Not many people may know about it. I know certainly I didn't. Anthony, Jeff, did you guys know about this company before I, I uh, am about to talk about it? No? Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, so Synopsis is actually a uh, electronic, what they call themselves as an electronic design automation company. Effectively, they're a silicon company and they design and verify chips, right? Semiconductors and manufacturing chips. Right? So we have covered this. You know, I think month, two months ago, with regards to the chip shortage, the, the global chip shortage, right, that we've faced in, in Q4 and expecting to face in, in early 2022 as well. And that's what they do. So they do a few things. Number one, they design their own chips. They, de- they help other people design chips as well. And lately, uh, in the past couple of years, they've also verified chip designs. So it's, if, I, if I tell you a quick sort of supply chain is you design your chips then you go to a fabricator to fabricate it. Then you go to effectively a chip verifier to make sure that you know all of the parts of the chips is working well. And then at the end, efficiently use it with software. So they do effectively everything with the exception of fabrication, right? That's what I'm reading. Uh, any of you listeners out there, if you if you have information that they have fabricated, please let me know, but I could not find it. <laughs> so, 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 they do, so they're like they Intel do, without um, the, the foundries. Yes, yes. Yeah. As far as I, as far as I can, I can know, right? And they started off with chip architecture, and only lately moved into verified chip designs at a year or two ago. Okay. Um, and they've sort of cornered the market, as far as I can read, into that space. I don't have the exact figures in terms of market cap because semiconductors is quite um, convoluted, quite complex. Um, but you know, listeners out there, if you do like this space, please let us know on Telegram. We're more than happy to do a stock geek out on the semiconductor industry and specifically for synopsis, right? So this is what they do, right? And and their chips and their chip designs and the architectures 
are actually present in self-driving cars, any form of uh, Internet of Things, consumer products as well. Right. So that's that's pretty cool. They've been on the rise in 2021. Actually, I think they grew something like 14 percent from 2020 to 2021. Okay. Wait, wait. Fourteen percent share price or, or revenue or profit or revenue. Fourteen uh, percent revenue. Okay. Revenue. Wow. Okay. Right to four point okay. two billion in 2021. Out of that four point two billion in 2021, Q4 attributed one point one billion. So we have seen that sort of growth that we saw in Q4. And when we talk about it, Q4 was the time we talked about the chip shortage. So in order for them to have still an increase is, is kind of, you know, sort of the complete opposite that I thought it was going to be. I thought it would be flat or it would go down because, well, people are not manufacturing chips as fast as they could and people need more chips. Yeah, But, but it looks like it's the inverse. But I mean, I, I thought increasing... Revenues makes in the chip shortage makes sense, right? Because the the, the shortage is there's too much demand. So to the extent that there's so much demand, you know, all, all these processes about verification, uh, maybe a bit of architecture, uh, those will naturally also increase. In a sense, I think I, I don't well, know enough. Yeah. Right, because it's after the it's after the fab. But you're right. the The design could be, and this is where actually they make most of their revenue as well. Mm, okay. Is they, they design the architecture, so you could definitely say that that's that's part of Q4, and that's what they're looking towards. Now, here's the thing as well: they have very, very good fundamentals. Their debt is at 600 million, and their cash in bank is 1.5 billion. Oh. Right. Yes. Um, and so effectively, that's that's how much of of cash they have, which is awesome. Finally. And just in. Yeah, and in their Q4 earnings, uh, sorry, their, their Q, sorry, the Q3 earnings call, they actually mentioned that they have completed a buyback of shares of 700 million. Mm-hmm. And this is, oh, okay. the 1.5 billion in cash is after that, right? Um, okay. Which brings me to my next point. Why did they do the buyback, um, these sort of things? But I want to dive a little bit into that, into what their strategy is, uh, you know, in, in this year and the next five years. Yep. But I think one thing to look at here is price to sales is at twelve, price to book is at nine. Uh, but but I think they, they are so, not they are not a tech tech company in that sense, right? So they are, they are not going to have huge operating margins. Maybe I, I yes. don't know. Um, and and so you can't really give them like the, the price to sales of, of someone like HubSpot or or Amplitude or like thirty forty because it's just fundamentally a different nature of the company. So, yes. So, usually I will look at, at this sort of industry prices between 10 to 15. Mm. At least when I was looking at the, at the, um, the industry-wide, I was trying to make sense of all this data. Yep. And I do see a range between 10 and 15. Um, so, it's, it's, there's somewhere in between. But, you know, I think before I just get back into the, the share buyback and, and what they're trying to do, what, what are you guys' quick thoughts on, on, on this company, on this industry? Uh, maybe we can start with Anthony. Cool. Um, I think um, they're again riding on a trend. I don't know. I mean, from from what we have heard, I, I don't know if it's that fantastic to be honest. <clears throat> and 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 why why I say that is this right? So you know, there's a company with decent amount of cash, and they they are going on on a huge wave in in the in the industry, but they have nothing better to do except to buy back share. Right? They they are not. I mean, they, they have enough cash to, to reinvest. They, they could do a lot of other things. But, well, I'm just going to prop up my share price and, and buy my shares. So, you know, I, to, to me, it, it becomes a bit of, a, again, a capital allocation issue. 
right? Every decision that they make, you know, they have cash, what do they do with it? Should I grow my business, grow my revenue more, expand different product lines, you know, invest in the future? Or I, I return to shareholders and, and they, they chose to return to shareholders, which is great um, as a shareholder. But, but maybe, yes. you know, can be a bit of a warning sign if, if taken too far as well. Um, well, I guess, I guess for my fund itself, uh, it's really a matter of how well they can, they, they can perform their R&D, right? Like, like you've mentioned mm-hmm. already, uh, good financials, fundamentals, uh, even good approval of the management as well. Uh, all, all these are sound sound business model like things things that we look at but um like what anthony was saying there's definitely other companies out there that are also doing similar things like samsung is also trying to come out with their own ai design chips um mm-hmm. and google is also doing that as well so what, what's the edge that what makes this uh, synopsis yeah. is yeah it's, it's gonna gonna put out there you know and say hey uh we are gonna be uh, primary uh, EDA supplier to the to the whole world in that sense. That that's something that they have to stand up. And I think um, they they had that run in. I, I read I read into it a little bit here and there. Uh, they had a run in 2017, 2018, that period of time when Intel basically selected them as primary EDA supplier. Um, and look where they are right now. Right, they 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 are still not very well known in the in the market itself industry um, so so that's something that you know uh, to me uh, we definitely have to look into a little bit more um, be- before I will de- de- decide whether it's it's worth a buy in that sense yeah yeah fair enough and yeah that's exactly what, what they're saying right so they mentioned that they were looking to get sort of you know this cash and, and reinvest in themselves and they opened up an AI uh, development or they just started this sort of uh, AI, where they want the AI to sort of develop chips, right, and create this architecture in the next five to six years. That's effectively their bet. Uh, that's why I believe they've done a buyback because they do see the value in that company or in their own company, and or um, they feel they have too much cash, right? <laughs> uh, that that could cash. be. <laughs> but so they they've started this uh, AI department. They're looking for it to grow, uh, looking for it to scale. Um, on my side, I think I'm going to keep a close eye on this. I again. Completely agree with you and, and Jeff. I don't know where they're going to be. I don't know what is their full USP. Maybe mm-hmm. it's the it's the execution that they will go ahead with the AI because you've got Google behind it. You've got a lot of other companies are looking to, to grow into this, right? Yeah. But I think one thing to note, though, is that their internal employees love working there and they actually do approve of, of management, right? So one of the things that I look at when I look at stocks is I look at the... Um, Glassdoor, <laughs> right? Just like every interview that you <laughs> you look at Glassdoor, I look at Glassdoor for stocks, but I also look at where they're hiring and how fast they're hiring, and they seem okay. to be hiring quite a fair bit. Okay. With regards, uh, and globally as well, they have an office in Singapore. I didn't even realize. Um, so that's 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 pretty cool as well. I think it's good just to keep an eye, uh, have a look in this industry, and I think it's one industry I'm looking to to dive a little deeper in as well in the semiconductor space. Yeah, it, it's definitely an interesting uh, space to look at, look into, right? Because uh, Synopsis has always been more of a company that, like, I, I'm, I'm still on the, I'm still going to hop on the point where uh, they are trying to come up with their own chips, right? But it has always been a company where it does chip design uh, software kind of thing. Like, even if you look into, like, all the different AI chips that are being designed, by uh, or built by Samsung and whatnot, they are they are all using Synopsis 
Um, so they, they're using this tool called DSO.AI, mm-hmm. which essentially is, is something that has been uh, far-reaching and a lot of the other companies have already been using for a, a very long time as well. But for Synopsys to you know come out with their own chips itself, to me, it feels like a slight stretch in that sense because you you got to have the, the the whole infrastructure to build the hardware, right? And it's a yes. totally different uh, ball game and cost altogether. Uh, whereas like Samsung, Google, they, they, they already have that capabilities that already built up out there. Um, and, you know, in, in fact, like Synopsys is also have a direct competitor in the software space, uh, Cadence. That's another one to, to look at as well if you are into this. Um, yeah, so a, a lot of things could change in the next couple of years, um, but I think the, the barriers to entry for them to build their own chips uh, or microprocessors is definitely one that's very high. Okay, wait, sorry, Jeff, just one question then. I think you, you were mentioning that the, these chip designers all kind of have to use synopsis um, in, in their chip yeah. design process, right? So in yes, essence, yes. They, they are a bit, they, if you can draw a very bad energy, I'm assuming it's bad. Um, it, it, they are a bit like, you know, Adobe, they, they provide you the software to, to read PDFs or to like, you know, design and then all of that. But now they want to be the one actually making the design. Right? That, that's a, a slightly yeah, yeah, different, exactly. uh, that, that, if that energy is you know, even roughly correct, that seems to me to be a relatively big jump in skill set. Right, and they are saying, "Oh yeah, no, we are not yeah. doing traditional chip design. We are going to do it by AI," which again, you know, yes. it's not necessarily them already. They're forty, right? Unlike Google, unlike all of that, who who have AI expertise in, in from other segments, they can pull in. So, you know, I, to, to, it, it feels as as we talk about it that this is just, oh yeah, I have buzzwords and and I'm just going to keep doing it, right? Because I mean, if you're going to really compete in AI, compete in machine learning, one B one B is nothing, right? Um, Google can can throw multiples of that at a problem. So why are they doing it uh, again? Back to capital allocation. Why are they buying back shares? Why are they not, you know, really competing and and really investing in it? I think that that's my question. Which well, may, maybe we read more about it. We will find out, and then six months later, we we know the answer to it. Or or Thomas can come and stop. He come and tell us. Or Reggie can come and stop. He can tell us this is why you're wrong. Fine, I'm, I'm more than happy to be wrong. But you know, I I think at at, at this very initial stage, something feels slightly off. To at, for now. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, cool. I think that that roughly wraps up the market update. Oh, right. right. We finally managed to finish one episode where we're not only talking about macro. So yeah. <laughs> it has it has been a pretty a pretty week um, in, in the form of news. It's just been a, a rough month for all of us. Um, but you know, Anthony Jefferson, let's keep uh, let's keep on chugging, let's keep going, and I'm sure we'll see some rewards, right? Yeah, we, we will. Yeah, I, I'm sure. confident my portfolio double in three years. I just need to wait three years. <laughs> Oh, I wish I had your confidence, to be honest. <laughs> that, that, that's how I keep buying it. <laughs> awesome, guys. Again, you know, if you haven't followed us, please let us know what you think about this episode on, on our Telegram, on uh, Facebook, on Instagram as well. Please go ahead. Otherwise, you can you can email us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. If you do want us to dive into any of these stocks that you've heard, we're more than happy to do that in the Stock Geek Out. So please let us know as well. All right. Uh, We'll see you guys next week and have a good week ahead and stay safe.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh, and trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback, so share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks, and stay safe.